So today we're uh, in the book of Philippians uh, chapter 1. It's a very famous verse uh, at the end of, at the, end of uh, the passage, verse 21. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I'm sure it's familiar to most, if not all of us, because it is actually a very uh, familiar, famous verse. And I was thinking about uh, you know, what to preach this today, and I was reminded that today is uh, Independence Day, right? And I know obviously for most of us, Independence Day is probably day off of work, you know, well, I guess if it's, if it's Sunday, you probably don't work anyway, right? But it's usually a day off of work, maybe you think about like fireworks, you think about, you know, going to a barbecue, you know, doing things with your family, with your friends. But obviously, we think of Independence Day, we think of Declaration of Independence, we think of this country being formed, and we're reminded that, you know, the founding fathers of this nation, that they had a very clear purpose, right? Independence, right? They wanted an independent country, right? Away from the rule of Great Britain, and, you know, they wanted to have a nation, right, of the United States of America, right? Uh, they have a Declaration of Independence to show the purpose they have, a clear purpose for independence. And obviously, with that purpose came a lot of action, you know, you know, came a lot of different things, and obviously that purpose was fulfilled. But the question I have for us today is this, what is your purpose? What is my purpose? Like, what is our purpose, right? Like, what am I, what am I living for, right? What is our reason for living? What is our goal or what is our mission, right? Like, what is our purpose? You know, what, what gets me excited, right? What gets me down, actually, right? What, what really gives me motivation to live and to go on every single day? And I think that's a very important question because what I want, what I desire, right, like what my purpose in life is, is going to show itself in everything that I do. So people live for many things, you know, it could be money, fame, power, popularity, success, and you can go on and on and on. But the question is, what do you live for, right? What do we live for? What is our purpose? And in this passage, what we're going to see is we see the Apostle Paul. And I, I want to say, Philippians 1.21, it pretty much sounds to me like his purpose statement or his mission statement, right? It sounds like his goal in life, right? For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain, right? Uh, in the Greek, it's pretty much live Christ, die gain, right? That's really what he's saying, right? What is life? It's Christ, right? Why do, I, why do I live? For Christ. Everything I do, it is for Christ. And when I die, it is gain. It's actually, if you think about it, it's very powerful words because if you were living for anything else but Christ, for example, if you were going to say, for to me to live is money, then to die is to be broke. <laughs> Right? Like, you know, you'll be depressed, right? If, if for me to live is popularity, then to die is to not be popular, to have no friends, to have no one like me, right? If for me to live is success, 
than to die is to be not successful. And if you're not successful, then life is miserable. But for Paul, he's able to say, kind of sum up his life in this one little phrase, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And today what I want to do is I want to just look at that a little bit, think about what that means for Paul, what that means for me. And so today really I only have two points. I know usually people have three-point sermons. Um, I don't know where that came from. There's nothing in the Bible that says a sermon shall be three points, right? But generally most sermons happen to be three points. I just have two points. The power of Paul's purpose and secondly, the meaning of Paul's purpose. The power of Paul's purpose and the meaning of of Paul's purpose. Really just two points, although to be honest, the second point has many subpoints. <laughs> but really the power of Paul's purpose and the meaning of Paul's purpose. And the, and the first thing is the power. Think about this. If Paul's purpose was anything else but to live as Christ and to die as gain, he would be a miserable, miserable man. Why? Because he's in prison. He says in the passage that he is imprisoned, right? Now, think about who Paul is. Paul is an apostle. Paul is really a missionary, right? Paul is a preacher. Paul is a church planter. If you look at his life, obviously before he met Christ, we know that he persecuted Christians and he was actually really scary in persecuting Christians, but obviously Christ came into his life, completely transformed his life. Paul went from being a persecutor of Christians to being obviously a child of God, to being a Christian who was completely transformed by the gospel. And now he lives his life for the glory of God. He lives his life for Christ, but he lives his life to proclaim Christ, to make disciples of Christ. And so his whole life is about preaching the gospel. His whole life is about planting churches, right? His whole life is about doing God's work everywhere. We see his missionary journeys, and, you know, I remember studying it in seminary, and I had actually the privilege later in life, uh, you know, to go to Turkey and Greece and actually to kind of go through some of his missionary journeys and just the amount of ground he covered proclaiming Christ and planting churches. It's incredible. But here's the thing. Right now, he can't do that. He's imprisoned, right? He's in Rome. He's stuck. He can't go around preaching the gospel. He can't plant churches. He can't even go to the churches that he planted to encourage them. That's why he has to write letters to people like Philippians. And so he can't do a lot of the things he would like to do. And so you would think he would be miserable. I mean, think about it. I've never been in jail. I hope I never do go to jail, right? But if I was, I don't think I would be all that happy. Right? I'm sure none of us in this room, if we were imprisoned, whether it be in jail or house arrest, right? I don't think any of us would be joyful. But when you read Paul's letter to the Philippians, one of the main themes is joy. It's joy. And so there's a power in his purpose because he's able to say even in prison, Right? Even though I can't do what I normally would do, even though I can't visit the churches that I planted, even though I can't continue to travel and proclaim the gospel, even though I'm stuck here, chained to these guards, he is joyful. You know, in, even in the passage that we read today, what do we see? Verse 
18. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Why? Verse 12, right? Because what has happened to me has served to advance the gospel. See, for to him to live is Christ, and so if the gospel has been proclaimed, he's joyful. He knows Christ is with him, encouraging him, working in his life, and he knows the gospel is being proclaimed, so he is rejoicing. He's in prison, but you know what? Because he's in prison, if you look at verse 13, he is preaching to the imperial guard. Think about this for a second, right? You're guarding Paul. That's your job. And then here's this guy who's imprisoned, and you're guarding him, and he's just telling you, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. <laughs> let me tell you about the gospel. Let me tell you that you're a sinner. Let me tell you about what happens to sinners. They're condemned. But let me tell you about God, the Father, who sent his son to die for his people, who went to the cross. And, he, and he's preaching the gospel. And these guards, they have no choice but to hear the gospel. Why? Because that's their job. They're stuck to him. And so he's saying, I am able to proclaim Christ to people that would normally never hear the gospel probably, right? And so he's rejoicing. But then if you look a little bit later, it says here that other brothers are being bold to speak the word without fear. Verse 14. And he talks about this, right? There's two types of people. There are some people, because they know Paul's in prison for the gospel, they're emboldened by it. And so out of good motivation, they continue to preach the gospel. Good. But there are other people, it says here in verse 15, out of envy and rivalry are preaching the gospel. Now that's sad. Right? They're probably thinking, we don't like Paul. Maybe Paul's taking too much credit. Maybe Paul's too famous. Maybe everybody looks up to Paul, but he's in prison. So you know what? Maybe it's my time to shine, right? You can't do, you know, your thing, so I'm going to be out here and I want the glory, right, envy, rivalry. I want to be better than you. And what, whatever the reasons are, they're preaching the gospel, but they're doing it for bad reasons, for, with bad motivation. But even then, verse 18, he says, so what? As long as Christ is proclaimed, he is going to rejoice. Think about it. If somebody was envious of you and they were trying to hurt you and they were trying to do things to make themselves look better and make you look bad, how many of us would be like, yeah, that's great, I rejoice? We'd be angry, right? We'd be bitter. We'd be sad, right? We would complain. We would call somebody and be like, what's his problem? What's her problem? You know, how dare they pretend to be holy and preach the gospel with that kind of motivation? We will be upset. But Paul's different. He's rejoicing even in his imprisonment, even though he can't preach the gospel to those out there in the world. Why? Because he can still preach the gospel to these guards and because even in his imprisonment, others are being motivated to proclaim the gospel. Even if it's sometimes with bad motivation, he's saying, I will rejoice. This is a man who is sold out for Jesus. This is a man who in his heart, his blood is pumping for to me to live as Christ and to die as gain. And because that is his purpose, there's power there. He's able to rejoice.
even in bad, tough circumstances. And I want to encourage us today. Hopefully, we will be able to say with Paul, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And hopefully, there will be a power in our lives that even if we were imprisoned, we will be able to rejoice. And I do want to point out for the fact, Paul is not in prison because he committed a crime that was awful. Right? If you commit a crime and you deserve to go to prison, right, it's, right, it's one thing, right? He is imprisoned because he's proclaiming Christ. Because he's being faithful to his calling. And he is saying, I'm going to continue to be faithful and I'm going to rejoice. Why? Because God is working in my circumstances for good, for his glory and for the good of others, for the gospel to be proclaimed. But also he's rejoicing because if you look at verse 19, well, at the end of verse 18, right, he says, in that I rejoice. And then he says right afterwards at the end of verse 18, yes, and I will rejoice. He's going to a different thought. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. So what is he saying? He's saying, I'm rejoicing because even though my life is tough, it's difficult, Christ is still proclaimed, God is working in my situation to do good, but also he is working in my heart. Even though my external circumstances may seem terrible, through your prayers and through the Spirit of Christ, he is working in my heart, right, for my deliverance, for my salvation, for my sanctification. He is growing me. He is changing me. He will ultimately work for my good in my life, right, unto glorification. But even until then, he is working for good in my circumstances, but also in my heart. And I think that's important. For all of us to remember that no matter what I go through, no matter what you go through, no matter what any of us go through, here's what we know. That God is powerfully at work in our circumstances to do good for his glory, but also he is working in our hearts to continue to make us more and more like Christ, to sanctify us, to grow us. And so in that, Paul can rejoice. And I pray and in that, we can rejoice. And so we see that there is power in his purpose. But what is the meaning of Paul's purpose? And here I'm going to really spend time on verse 21. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, I think the to live is Christ, that's like, you know, I, I've seen preachers preach like multiple weeks on just this like one, <laughs> one, one verse almost. Like you can really expound on that. But, you know, we're not going to go too crazy with that. But I think I want to maybe point out a few things of what to live as Christ should mean. And I think first, to live as Christ, if, it, if nothing else, means to love, to love, <clears throat> excuse me, to love and glorify Christ, right? To live as Christ, if nothing else, it means that I love Jesus and it means I worship him with my life. I need to love Christ. But here's the thing. I need to love Jesus supremely. I need to love Jesus more than I love anything else in my life. Because I think here's the problem with a lot of us. If we're Christians, and I trust that all of us here are, I love Jesus, I do, but I also love a lot of other things, right? 
And you know, there's nothing wrong with loving other things, other people, right? You know, when I was younger, I used to say, you know, I love contacts, my contacts, right? Um, I had LASIK done, so I don't need it anymore, but I used to be negative nine, for those of you who have bad eyes, before I had LASIK. And if you don't know what that means, it means I couldn't even see Andrew's face from here, right? I would kind of know that it's Andrew by just his outline as a person, I kind of vibe it, but I would not be able to see, you know, if, if there was a crime committed, I would be like, I don't know, right? It's almost like I'm blind. And so I used to say, you know, I love my contacts or my glasses because I can see, right? Um, obviously, we love things in our lives, our pets, our family, right? Our possessions, maybe our jobs, obviously our church, right? You know, like I look at my wife, I look at my kids, and, you know, I just feel this deep love for them. And that's a good thing, right? You see your friends, you see your church, you know, you see you have a love for them. And there are certain things in your life that you probably really love, right? I, I, I knew a brother, he got like his new iPhone, and I remember he just looked at it. And, you know, just kept on looking at it. And I was like, what are you looking at? He's like, I'm looking at my phone. Well, everybody has a phone. He's like, yeah, but this is nice, <laughs> right? And he, just, he just loved it. And that's what happens. We love things. Okay, fine. But here's the thing. The things that we love, right, way too often compete with the love for Christ and honestly speaking, a lot of times overtake our love for Jesus. And we call that obviously idolatry, right? We, instead of saying to live, for, to live is Christ, we say to live is money, to live is, you know, my job, to live is my school, right? To live is my car, to live is my shoes or my sneakers, that to live is my friends, to live is my family. And we, and we replace Christ with these other things that become way, way, way too important for us. And so here's, I remember I heard a pastor say it this way once, and I actually really like it, so I'll use it. He said, your love for Jesus should be varsity. He said, your love for everything else should be junior varsity. And that makes sense to me, right? You know, if you go to a certain high school, and, and, and let's say you're on, I don't know, like the basketball team, and, you know, if you're on the JV team, you're not going to be like, hey, man, I'm, like, on the team, right? Like, if you're on the team, if you want the letter, you have to be on varsity, right? JV is kind of like, I don't know, like the, the, the you know, on the way to varsity, right? I don't want to say, I don't want to be too disparaging because some of you may never have made varsity and you're part of your JV team, right? But your JV team is kind of like, you know, it's the team that wants to get to varsity. The varsity is, is the real deal. And that was his point. My love for Christ should be varsity. It should be number one. It should be up there. Everything should kind of go through that love for Jesus. And everything else should be a step below it. I should love my job, my church, my family, my whatever it is I love. I should love all of those things. However, Christ should be supreme. And that's what Paul's saying. For me to live is Christ. He loves the, the churches that he has preached the gospel to. He loves preaching the gospel, right? He loves, I'm sure he loved his comfort. I'm sure he loved his friends. But at the end of the day, for him, what he loves most is Jesus, right? That's supreme. That's number one. And so I want to love, I want to glorify Christ. But to live as Christ means I want to know him. I want to enjoy him. I want to commune with him, right? How can I say for to me to live is Christ 
and not spend any time with him. And I don't want to say this to make anybody feel guilty or anything like that. You know, I remember you know, back in the day, I used to go to small groups, and, I, and whenever I led a small group, I would ask a question that I don't ask anymore because it depressed me. I used to ask people, how many of you read your Bible every day? And I stopped asking that question because the response, right, was generally very low, right? And I was like, oh, man. But here's the thing. If you love someone, if they are dear to you, anyone, you want to spend time with them, right? We want to spend time with them. When you're in love with someone, you want to see them in person. If you're not able to see them in person, you want to talk to them on the phone. You want to text them, right? You want to do a little video chat with them. Like you want to have any excuse you can find to spend time to, with someone that you love. But also, we want to get to know about them. You know, what's your family like? What kind of, you know, what kind of food do you like, right? Like, what, what kind of movies do you like, right? Like, what are your hobbies, right? What, what are the things that mean the most and are the most meaningful to you in your life? And we want to know who they are, what they like, what they dislike. We just want to get to know everything about them. We want to spend time with them. And we want to enjoy their presence. If I am saying for, to me to live is Christ, if I'm saying I want to love Jesus, that I want to know him. I want to read my Bible, not out of a sense of guilt, oh, I'm a Christian, I have to read my Bible, I have to do my devotional, but no, I want to read the word because I want to know all I can about him who I love, but also as I'm reading the word and getting to know him, I want to enjoy him and commune with him and just really be blessed by him. And I want to spend time in prayer responding to him why because he is so good i think that's a beautiful thing when i hear a sermon i want to pay attention to get to know christ better so i can know and commune with him and enjoy him when i'm doing a bible study same thing when i'm reading the bible by myself i want to do the same thing when i'm studying the word i want to do the same thing when i'm listening to songs of praise right, i want to do the same thing i want to sing those songs of praise and respond to him and get to know him and worship him and I want to pray to him, seeking more of his presence. And I want to know and commune with Christ and enjoy him. So for to me to live as Christ is to love, to glorify him. I want to know him. I want to commune with him, enjoy him. But also I want to imitate him. I want to become like him. I want to be more and more and more like Christ every day. And that's a challenging thing. That is a challenging thing, you know, to look to Christ, to be blessed by who he is, and then to say, I want to be like Jesus. You know, I talk to people sometimes when they're really angry at somebody. And, you know, the, you know, when someone's really angry, it is not the right time to preach a sermon to that person. Right? Generally, it's not. Because <laughs> they're angry. They don't care. You know, and uh, I, I made that mistake a couple of times. I remember one brother just straight up told me back in the day, he said, Pastor James, I appreciate what you're trying to do, but I don't need a sermon right now. I was like, sorry, man, but I'm your pastor, so let me take a couple more words to you, right? Like, no, but, you know, but here's the thing. I get that. But here's, when we say, I want to be like Jesus, that means when someone wrongs me, that I should be able to want to forgive that person. Right? It does mean that. 
Now, maybe not right now at this moment, but for me to say I want to be like Christ means if Christ can forgive me, this sinner, this sinner who deserves nothing but hell and condemnation, who, ins- who insulted, I'm created by God, and yet I sin against him, I hate him, I'm his enemy, and yet if Christ can forgive me, even to the point where he would die for me so that he can forgive me, that means for me to be like Christ, I should be willing to die to myself and to be able to forgive someone else with the forgiveness, the love that I have received. It does mean that. But now, when I say that, I don't say you should forgive that person. Generally, I say something like this. If you're angry, I say, well, after hearing you for 30 minutes to an hour, right, complain, right? I say, I know you can't forgive him right now. I get it. But I'm praying that one day you will be able to forgive that person as you reflect upon Christ's forgiveness for you. And that, that has been much more effective, <laughs> you know, in terms of talking to someone. I realize that. But that's the thing. You know, I, I get convicted every day when I, you know, in my, in my marriage, as seeing how selfish I am and seeing how lacking that I am. And when I read Ephesians 5, right, and husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church, that is, it's, it's something that's very convicting. Because you're like, man, if I'm saying I want to imitate Christ and become like him, Christ died for the church. Am I willing to die to myself, for my wife and my kids, right? Out of love. And that's a very challenging thing. But if I want to say to live is Christ, that means I look at Christ who says, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, it means as Christ has served, I want to serve. As he has loved, I want to love. As he has forgiven, I want to forgive. And that is part of what it means to say for to me to live as Christ. But also, you know, I'm going to say one more thing. And I could probably go on and on on this part, but at least let me say one more. To live as Christ means I obey and I serve him. Right? To live as Christ means I love him, I glorify him, I know him, I want to commune with him, I want to imitate Christ and become like him, but it means I obey him and I serve him. Someone once asked me when I was younger, I forget how old I was, he said, if I asked you right now, he asked the whole room, if I asked all of you right now to go on missions with me, you know, he said pick the country, right? it doesn't matter what country it is, right? pick some really difficult country to do missions work and if if God said to you right now, go, and if you knew if you go, you would die, would you go? And as a young man, I didn't answer the question because <laughs> I was like, I don't know, right? That's like, whoa. But if God did say that, could you obey him? I mean, the point is, if I would say to live is Christ, then what that means is I should be willing to obey him and serve him in the way he wants me to love and serve him. Whatever he asked me to do, I should do. You know, it kind of reminds me of, you know, when my son, you know, Joey, you know, when, when he was, he's a little over one now, but when he was really young, right, uh, an infant, you know, sometimes, you know, 
I, mean, I, would have, I would do like the night feedings, and you know, he would cry, and he wouldn't sleep, and I think the parents here know, it's like a really, like you love your kids so much, but you're just so tired. And sometimes when he would cry, I would do whatever he wanted me to do, right? Like, you want me to sit, I'll sit, you want me to stand, I'll stand, you want me to rock you, I'll rock you, right? Like, whatever you want me to do, just so that you won't cry. You know, I felt like he was my master, right? <laughs> and I, I'm like his servant, whatever you want, just please don't cry, I will do it. And obviously, you know, your baby's not your Lord, but Christ is. Christ is my Savior, but he is also my Lord. And when I say for to me to live is Christ, it means that I love him, I want to know him, I want to become like him, but it also means I want to obey him, I want to serve him, and I want to do whatever it is that he wants me to do. But there's a second part to the verse, to live is Christ, and then he says, to die is gain. And, you know, I, we didn't read it, but verse 22 to 26, he kind of expounds upon it about how he talks about how, you know, there's part of him that wants to depart and to be with Christ. But then the other part, you know, really wants to be here on earth and to continue to do God's work and to really bless the people of God. And he's, he's, he's wrestling. But here's the thing. You know, he's not saying, you know, you know, you should, like, want to be a martyr or you should want to die. That's really not what his point is. His point is this, if my life is all about Christ, if I am so excited to live for Christ, just to love him, to know him, to become like him and to serve him and to obey him, and if all my life is all about Christ, 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 and everything I do goes through that lens, then even dying is game because when I die, who am I with? Christ. When I depart from this world, who am I going to spend eternity with? With Christ. Who am I going to see face to face? Christ. Who am I going to enjoy and commune with and be able to really glorify him with, you know, with everything that I have? Christ. Right? When we do die one day, there's no more sin, no more tears. I'm going to be glorified. I'm not going to sin anymore. And I'm going to get to be with Christ face to face and commune with him and enjoy him and glorify him and have that fellowship with him. And so what is Paul saying? He's not talking about escape. He is emphasizing eternal enjoyment. As one commentator writes, Paul says that in death there's more of what satisfies him now. The now is amazing because it's about serving Jesus, which brings meaning and joy, but he knows that the later is better because it involves face-to-face -face communion with Christ. So what is he saying? He's saying, I have joy now. I have excitement now because for to me to live is Christ. I want to preach the gospel. I want to proclaim him. I want to live for his glory. I want to love him. And as I'm loving him, I know that he is loving me. And so I have joy. And, you know, his, my life is meaning. However, I also know even if I was to die, that's gain. Because just like I have Christ now and I can serve Christ now when I die, I'll have even more of Christ. How powerful is that? Can you imagine talking to somebody like that, threatening somebody like that? Hey, if you keep preaching the gospel, we'll throw you in jail. All right. 
bring it on, right? God's going to do good anyway. So you throw him in jail. We're going to punish you. We're going to hurt you. Bring it on. As I suffer, I remember the suffering of Christ, and that he continues to work in my heart and in my life. We're going to kill you if you keep preaching Christ. But that's okay, too, because when I do die, I get to be with Christ for eternity, and I will enjoy him in heaven as well. To die is gain. I mean, it's an unstoppable person living for Christ. Because he's saying, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But really, if you think about it, Paul is able to say that because he's looking every day to the cross. He's looking every day at Christ. Because if you think about what Christ did for us, really, what is Christ doing? He's going to the cross for us. He went to the cross for our sins, right, for the sins of his people. And pretty much he was saying, for to me, right, my life, it's, it's for my people. He lived the perfect life for his people. But he's saying, even my death is for their gain, right? Christ saying, my life for my people, even my death is for their gain. Paul knows that. Paul's life was transformed by that gospel. He was a sinner persecuting other Christians. And what did Jesus do? He came into his life, completely blew up his life, turned his life upside down. He understood that even a sinner like him could be forgiven and saved because of what Christ has done for him. Christ who lived, who died for him, who died and rose again. And so Paul's life was completely transformed. And now he is saying, for to me, to live is Christ. And to die is gain. And my prayer for us today is the same thing. That for all of us, we who know what Christ has done for us, we who know how amazing, loving he is, as we look to the cross every day, that we will be able to say that my purpose is for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Let's pray.